Cameron. It's very nice to be with you this morning. Um, like Jenny said, my name is Daniel. And uh, if you've got a Bible, can you turn with me to Ephesians and chapter 5? And can I also invite Anna up? Can we have a big round of applause for Anna? Yeah, that's right. Anna texted me in the week and said she's got some scripture in her heart that she wants to share with us as a church. And as she sent it through, I was preparing this this morning's sermon, this morning's teaching, and for me, it just felt like it really fit with where we are going and when we're going to land this morning. So, Anna, do you want to just share that? Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said, among the nations, the Lord has done great things for him. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? The Lord has done great things for us, hasn't he? Yes. And it's going to make more sense as we go on that the Lord has done great things for us and he has made us glad. So Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm just going to read a shorter passage today. Doesn't mean it's going to be a shorter sermon, I apologise. <laughs> Verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And our key text this morning is verse 18, be filled with the spirit amen, amen. and I'm, I'm guessing there are probably three reactions here this morning when you hear that verse some of you are rubbing your hands with holy glee because you think at last we are getting to the real stuff the holy spirit power all this teachy gracey gospely stuff yeah 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 we got that when do we get the power when do we really do the stuff some of you are already limbering up stretching because you can't wait to get down the front and you know get dramatic with god that's one reaction Another reaction is nerves. Some of you think, oh goodness, it's that kind of morning. They're gonna move the chairs aside. They're gonna like, they need, we need to like do something I'm not prepared for. Like they're gonna, I'm gonna get prayed for. I'm gonna feel like I've gotta do something and meet with God. And then there's this like nervous reaction. Some of you, you may not be a believer here. You're just like, what the, Phil? I've not, I've not a clue what you are talking about. Let me say this. That being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a niche Christian thing. It's not even an, a sub-Christian thing of like some churches, they're like really into like moving the chairs out of the way and praying for each other and falling over. It is a human issue that we are made and designed to know God and yeah. be filled with God. And I know there might be a lot of like question marks going on in your mind right now if you're not a believer. But let me just say that this isn't just a thing like Christians do every once in a while on a Sunday. This is something for humanity. This is what it means to be fully alive as a human being. It is to be filled, essentially, with God. So what I want to do is just unpack this and ask this question very simply. Do you thirst... And it's interesting when Jesus says this question in John 7, 37, I think it is. He doesn't even say, do you thirst for me or do you thirst for God? He just simply asks this question, are you thirsty? Which I think is interesting. He said, he's, he's talking to humanity. 
because it's not just Christians who have this thirst for more of God. I would suggest actually all of us are walking around with this deep thirst mm. for life, for meaning, for significance, for a sense of identity and purpose. And we are looking to all sorts of things, trying to drink from experiences, going to places, taking pictures of ourselves in places, trying to get a career, money, relationships, whatever. All of which are ways of trying to drink so that our souls might feel full. And Jesus says, do you thirst this morning? He says, if anyone is thirsty, come to me and they will receive streams of living water. Mm. And that is what is on offer for us today. And I'm going to come back to this question at the end and just ask you, even as I ask the question, is there anything in your soul that says, yeah, there is thirst in my soul. I feel like I'm walking through a desert season in my life. I feel like I've looked to my work to give me something and yet it feels like I'm just taking in sand into my inner being and it's making me thirstier and thirstier for something that is out there. Jesus says simply, are you thirsty? And the promise is this, that if you do hunger and thirst, Jesus says, you will be filled. Very simple. If you do hunger and thirst, you will be filled. So this is what I want to do. I want to talk about four things because Paul contrasts being drunk with alcohol and being filled with the spirit and four ways in which these are similar and dissimilar and then three marks of being filled as a church with the holy spirit so paul says in here he says he makes this contrast he says don't get drunk with wine for that is debauchery but be filled with the spirit so there is this contrast there is similarity and dissimilarity between these two things there's this moment early on in the in the christian church where there are 120 believers praying to god for power because jesus said before you go on mission you need power from on high so they're waiting and they're praying and they're praying and suddenly in a moment we're taught in the temple courts the holy spirit comes down upon them and they receive the power that they've been waiting for and they they cause quite a commotion the, the temple courts were basically like their market squares like being out all of us in cardinal place or in victoria station for example and the holy spirit comes upon us in power it was a very public place and people started watching on this commotion this strange group of people who are worshiping a rabbi jesus who no, like where is he like oh no he's ascended on the, on high next to the father so they're praying to jesus he gives them power and what happens people start mocking them with this it's nine o'clock in the morning and you guys are already drunk basically you've been bibbing merlot since 6 a.m for whatever reason or you've been up all night and you haven't gone to bed yet and you are absolutely plastered and they are there and what is going on is that they're, they're mocking the Christians because they are seeing this similarity. Their first reaction is like, you look like you're drunk. So we've got to ask, what, what is it that is similar between being drunk and being filled with the Spirit? The first thing is this, to be filled with the Spirit means that you are taking on a power from outside of yourself. Mm. Just like if you're going to go out on a big weekend, and I'm not suggesting you do this, you drink alcohol, it's, it's an external source, it's an external liquid that you have to take into your being. What we're not talking about here, being filled with the Spirit, is like tapping into some inner hero inside yourself and releasing the real you. What we are talking about is receiving a power that is outside of you that will fill you with fresh power and anointing and grace and meaning and identity and purpose. So we are not looking for something in here, we are looking to God. The second thing is this that we find out from this, is that being filled with the Holy Spirit makes you happy 
It's this interesting text, an interesting context, because he says in verse 15, look carefully the way how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. He says, these are dark days that we're living, these are difficult, stressful, uncertain days, and we can all say yes and amen to that now. He says, therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and don't get drunk with wine. So there's this intimate connection between difficult and evil days and getting drunk. And you break it down into just to a normal stressful week. And what is the temptation at the end of a Friday, on a Friday, at the end of a very difficult week? You're stressed, you've had a difficult time at work, your boss has been tricky, there's deadlines upon deadlines. And we literally have a thing called the happy hour. Don't worry guys, the happy hour's there. Drinks are, drinks are much cheaper. We're gonna go and get happy at the end of the week and we're gonna drink as much beer as we can within an hour. From five till six is happy time. That's what wine does for you, because I need some happiness. And what we have in the Holy Spirit is actually an ultimate source of joy, because we all know the ramifications. We don't need to go into it of how you're going to feel on that Saturday morning. The closest emotion that comes with the Holy Spirit in the Scriptures is joy. So if you talk, come across someone and say, oh, I'm, a, I'm a spirit-filled Christian, they look like a miserable so-and-so, you should really question their spirit-filledness. Because listen to this, Romans 14, 27, says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Acts 13, 52, and the disciples were filled with joy with the Holy Spirit. There's more, Galatians 5, 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, you receive the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And here's the difference between what alcohol does and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, sorry, the alcohol works on you by basically suppressing reality. Then it like, I just want to forget the week. I just want to have a glass of wine or four or six or whatever it might be. I just want to forget the stress. That's how it goes, doesn't it? We write all the like cliches about finding your answer at the bottom of a beer bottle and all this kind of stuff. Like, I will just suppress reality. What happens when people get blind drunk? They forget all consequences. They forget everything. Oh, my boss, my work, responsibilities, consequences about tomorrow, it just does not matter. Now you see people like, they, they get drunk, they can fall over and smash their face up and get up and they're just not even aware of it, like half their face is falling off, they've fallen down two flights of stairs. They don't know because alcohol suppresses reality, it suppresses our nervous system. But what the Holy Spirit does to make us happy is that the Holy Spirit alerts and awakens our senses to ultimate reality. So rather than working to suppress the difficulties of life, actually the Holy Spirit works to highlight the most glorious and compelling truth that will ultimately make us happy and override any other difficulties in this world so that we see what is truly glorious and what is a true source of happiness, amen? The Holy Spirit, we're told, Jesus says, he will come and he will glorify me. So the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he loves to talk about Jesus. A mark of the Holy Spirit, a Holy Spirit full church is that we talk about Jesus a lot. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, he loves to talk about Jesus. He loves to tell us about Jesus. He will declare, we're told in John 16, 14, he will declare to you all the things that are of me. So when you're filled with the Spirit, what happens is you don't go around talking, hey, I'm filled with the Spirit, I'm filled with the Spirit. What happens is you are so aware of Jesus suddenly. Because the Holy Spirit just whispers in your heart and in your mind, look at Jesus, look at how magnificent, look how glorious, look at the glory of the person that I've been gazing on for eternity and have not ever got bored of. Imagine that. You've seen beautiful things, even beautiful people. And after a while you're like, okay, got it, done. 
I've been to the Grand Canyon. So we've been to the Grand Canyon. It's one of the most spectacular physical things I've ever seen on the earth. And after like a couple of hours of seeing it, you're like, I think pretty much done. Okay, I've seen it. And yet there is in Jesus a glory and a sparkling yeah. splendor that will never, ever fade. And your soul will never get bored with. Can you imagine just increasing joy upon increasing joy upon increasing joy as you behold the glory of the face of Christ? Never increasingly making you happy. Imagine that. A source of joy that will never, ever leave you bored. This is happy hour. Did you know that at church? Someone asked you, what are you doing on Sunday? I was happy hour at church and I need to get there at 11 because they're, they're handing out infinite joy and I'm all in. That's what we're here for. Christianity is not about a moral obligation. I am not here to become a better version of me. That does not inspire me one bit. Infinite joy on offer, that is quite tempting. If you say, uh, by the way, on Monday, if you turn up, at Oxford Circus at 9.30, there's someone there handing out infinite joy that will never fade. I'll be there. Like, I'm interested in that offer. And what we have in Jesus by the filling of the Holy Spirit is infinite joy. Just imagine. Our problem is not that we're too passionate as people. We are not as passionate as half of we should be. That's the most terrible sentence I've ever said. <laughs> like, yeah. Let me just quote C.S. Lewis because he's much more eloquent than me. It says, we are half-hearted creatures falling about with drink when infinite joy is offered. We are far too easily pleased. So we think I'm passionate about finding joy and happiness and meaning in my life because I'm pursuing this career, I'm going after this relationship, I'm all out, look at my Instagram profile, look at all these things I'm doing to find joy. He'd say, no, 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 that's like so half-hearted. If you are really after joy, you will realize that the things of this world don't do it. After a while, it all fades. One step beyond this world, there is Jesus, and he has infinite joy in his presence. And that's what the Holy Spirit gives us. So the, first, the second thing is he makes us happy. Amen? Amen. Want to be a happy church? Let's get filled with the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, we are filled. When someone gets drunk with alcohol, every aspect of their being is affected. Mentally, physically, emotionally, etc. Everything is affected, isn't it? And nothing is untouched by a feeling of the stellar artois, whatever it might be. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we are soaked, drenched with God. God pours out of every pore of us. The whole, we are drenched in him. You take a flannel and it's all drenched. You just touch it and it drips with water. When you're filled with God, it's like someone just comes into contact with you, says hello, and you drip with the joy and the grace and the love of God. You just ooze with all that God is and it affects everything your emotional life mm. your relational life your work life how you think about your finances how you think about your time everything is affected because there's a fullness that comes in the Holy Spirit it's not a, it's not a narrow thing some people think you come to Christianity and what you do when you become a Christian is you narrow down all your options in life all the things that you used to find fun, no, you're not allowed to do those anymore. You've got to follow a narrow path of morality. It's lean, it's mean, it's stingy, it's, this is the path. But actually when you read Ephesians, what you find is that Paul has this expansive fullness 
that is on offer for us. So he prays at the end of chapter 3, he prays again to know that we might know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Just imagine this. Are you thirsty for this? All the fullness of God. Joy, beauty, power, affirmation. Everything that London is craving right now is found in the Holy Spirit. Fourthly, it is a physical experience. And this is where some of you get twitchy. I mean, we all know getting drunk is a physical experience. We've seen our friends. Some of you are friends, you know. We've been out on a Friday night and they're like, there's always that person, you know, like people get slowly more and more drunk and you might be at a dinner and they're always a person who seems to get louder and louder. You know that person and like the worst jokes get like the louder and like they're just like absolutely cackling at the most stupid jokes and they're like at the end, there is a physical experience that comes about from being drunk. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, there is often a physical manifestation of it. That, that it finds a physical, physical expression, which is not un, unexpected if you think about it. You are, you are meeting with a God who, who created you, who created everything, even right now sustains this building. Inf, infinite power, infinite joy. Just imagine that, infinite joy. And you are coming into contact with that. Imagine if you went to a, a nuclear power station and someone said, you know we found this way of being able to like tap into the power of this nuclear power station so that you can have it absorbed into your soul imagine that like yeah you just have to put this like hypothetical obviously like you put this node on here and you put this node on there and you can get the power of this nuclear power station coursing through your soul are you in you're like just imagine if you could actually do that you would not be surprised if your body felt a few little things as your soul received this kind of power and yet we are coming into contact with a being who holds infinite power and infinite joy it would be surprising i would suggest if there weren't some kind of physical feeling that went alongside it because our souls and our bodies are so utterly intertwined you, you can't touch your body without your soul being affected and you can't touch your soul without your body being affected which is why it's a falsehood to say that i can sleep around with as many people as i want and my soul not be affected because they come together and if your soul is affected your body is going to feel it in some way and it happens in all sorts of ways some people cry you've been in church for a while you know the criers they like to cry the Holy Spirit comes and then they cry. And Caleb's like, yeah. <laughs> I can be a cry. I mean, if you catch me, I would probably tell you I've got some dust in my eye or something like that. I would not like to admit it. But when the Holy Spirit is, is filling me, well, it, I, I, I don't tend to fall on the floor. I don't tend to shake. But often I will just well up with emotion and I will, I will cry. I will weep. I, and sometimes there, there's weepings of healing. Sometimes it's weeping of repentance, sometimes it's weeping of just joy. You just cannot believe that someone would give you so much good when you do not deserve it. Mm. You just cannot. I do not believe that I am walking into eternal riches just because of Jesus' death and resurrection. And it, you, you weep. Mm. Some people fall on the floor. Some people shake. 
there are stories of people who literally just can't almost stop shaking because of the power that is coursing through their body. Some of you know Rachel Payne. Um, she's one of the leaders at Hope Church, where I used to be. She had this experience once where she said she was so filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you know Rachel Payne, she won't mind me saying this. She's not a runner. I don't think she had run before this or after this. But she was so happy in God that she ran round this field and just kept running Forrest Gump style because she was so filled with the energy and happiness of God. She didn't know what to do with this exuberance. She just ran. Like pointlessly, just running around the field out of this joy and happiness in, in God. It, it will find a physical manifestation. But here's the thing that we need to know. Physical manifestations are not the thing. So when we're seeking to be filled with the, the Holy Spirit, the goal is not to fall on the floor. The goal is not to shake. The goal is not to cry. The goal is God. Amen. Amen. We want God. And when you read Acts, actually what you find out is that the, the, the Acts of the Apostles are far less interested on, did they shake? Did they fall on the floor? Did they cry? What happened? They're far more interested in what happened the next day. What about their boldness in the evangelism? What about their prayer life? What about their worship life? What, how did it affect them when they carried on with the rest of their life? That is the concern of the Acts of the Apostles. Not... Whether did you, did you fall on the floor? I mean, I mean, I've been in a meeting. Had this guy, this guy pastor. I mean, I think he was well intended, but he did this. All I can say is like a a kung fu type attack to my chest. It was a two-handed prong thing. Uh, I mean, he was like he almost took a step into it. it like if you ever played Street Fighter, like it was like. Um, and, and he had two henchmen behind me. I didn't. I didn't realise to literally catch me. I was eighteen and a skinny old thing. Like literally, like straight back. And I, I honestly don't know like what good it did to me and God. I think like my faith was there, so I was trusting God. I had a slightly sore chest after it. Some of us have got these stories. You need to know this. Twenty church on the day is never going to happen to you. We are not trying to force anything. That's right. We want God. Amen. Mm. So when I'm praying for someone, you need to know this. I'm, I'm not hoping that you cry. I'm not hoping that you fall over. We're not hoping that anything happens. We're hoping that you meet with God. Yeah. And God is very kind. He meets us where we're at. And he meets us with our personalities and where we're at right now. And sometimes we feel so raw and so vulnerable. But you also need to know this, that if you cry, if you fall over, if you shake, if you weep, even if you bellow, or if you just burst out in laughter, this is a very safe place to do that. Because God is a Very wonderful good. God. Mm. Amen? Yeah. Let me just read one account of a lady called Sarah Edwards, who lived in the 1700s in America, of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I just read this in the hope that it would stir your affections and your thirst. This is her description of what happened. Love and joy, so far as another could judge, have been raised to the highest pitch in views of the glory of the divine perfections and Christ's excellencies. So that the soul has been, as it were, perfectly overwhelmed and swallowed up with light and love, a sweet solace and a rest and a joy of soul altogether unspeakable. The person has more than once, in the olden days they like to talk about themselves in the third person, it's not grandiose, they were trying to be humble. The person has more than once continued for five or six hours together without interruption in a clear and lively view or sense of the infinite beauty of Christ's person, 
the heavenly sweetness of his transcendence so that the soul remained in a kind of heavenly state and did as it were swim in the rays of Christ's love like a little moat swimming in the beams of the sun that come in at a window. The heart was swallowed up in a kind of glow of Christ's love coming down and a constant stream of sweet light at the same time, the soul all flowing out in love to him. Isn't that amazing? Mm. I mean, I read that and I think, Lord, I would love to be caught up in that kind of joy and love. It's what London is heaving with right now and it's freely on offer in Jesus Christ. What does it mean and what are the marks of being filled with the Holy Spirit? And it's quite interesting because there is one command in this verse, verse 18, and then we have three guiding participles that lead us into basically what are the outworkings of this fullness of the Holy Spirit. If someone to ask you, you know, are you, a, are you one of those churches that are spirit-filled? How, how would we even know whether we're filled with the Spirit as a church? Paul gives us three. It's actually going to last into a number of weeks, this, as I'll point out later. But the first thing is he says this. If you're a spirit-filled church, you sing. Singing is part of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So he says this, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So what is an overflow of a life that is marked by the Holy Spirit? It is a life that sings. You know you're filled with the Holy Spirit where you're just always like humming to yourself. Mm. You know, you're like singing songs, you don't even know the words and you're like filling the words in with other words that don't really make sense, but they make sense to your own heart and you're just singing love songs to Jesus because you love him, because you love him, because he's been so good to you. This is a mark of what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And some people, I, mean, I remember when I came into a church like ours for the first time, I was like, man, these guys sing. Like they really sing. I came from a church that like sang one song, then had a prayer, then two songs, and then had a Bible. And we did kind of one or two, and then like one at the end. I came into a church like I was like, why do they sing so much? They like sing another song and then another song. I remember one person came into a church when I'd kind of been converted into this kind of church. So I was like, oh, I get why you sing now. He's like, you guys sing for ages. Like, why do you keep singing? We sing because the Lord has made us happy, amen. What does Anna just read? The Lord has made us glad, therefore our, joy, our souls are filled with joy. And we sing. Tor and I were coming back last Saturday um, from Wales, which is an ironic twist because England were playing Wales. And we were driving home, leaving Wales, quite thankfully, honestly, at that point. Coming home Saturday night. And we were in the car and, and we were listening on the radio. I, if you ever listen to Sports and Ladies, I, I love it. Because your imagination just goes wild. And you can hear things that you don't on the TV. And obviously England were winning up until the half time. We're doing really well. On to smash the Welsh, very thankfully. And every time we scored a try, you heard the stadium like rumbling. <laughs> Swing low, sweet chariot. And the English fans were going nuts because we were winning. Victory was ours. Oh, sweet victory. And what happened every time we scored? Singing. Because you know when your team, your champion, your, when they're the victor, what happens? It's singing. You've been to a, any sports event. Singing erupts when a goal is scored, when the try is scored. And what have we in Jesus? 
we have the ultimate victor, the ultimate champion in Jesus, who has died for all of my sins, who has conquered Satan, sin and death, who has taken all of my wrongdoing, past, present and future, taken them from me, thrown them as far as the east is from the west, that I will never be counted against me. And I am adopted into the father's family right now. And I am never going to be condemned. I have been judged already and I've been judged in favourable ways because of Jesus. He has been my champion and therefore he makes me sing. Amen. I have a victor. Do you have a victor? And not only has he been victorious himself, he has done all of that for me. And singing is just the natural consequence of joy in something else. Let me read C.S. Lewis again. Well, I don't quite know how to say things, as you'll notice. I rely on C.S. Lewis. It says, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses it, but completes the enjoyment. If it is appointed, it is the appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed. You know, you've seen something beautiful or you've been to a film and you're like buzzing with it. You want to tell someone about it the next morning, don't you? You just want to get it out of your system. There has to be some kind of completion or consummation of your enjoyment in it that has to find expression. He said it's frustrating to have discovered a new author and not to be able to tell anyone how good he is. To come suddenly at the turn of a road upon some mountain valley of unexpected grandeur and then to have to keep silent because the people with you care for it no more than for a tin can in the ditch. To hear a good joke and find no one to share it with. The catechism says that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But we shall then know that these things are the same thing. To fully, to fully to enjoy is to glorify. In commanding us to glorify him, God is inviting us to enjoy him. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to know what Christ has done in your heart that will find expression in song. There should be an overflow in your life. You're in the shower and you're like, I just got this melody and I just like to sing to Jesus. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. God's speaking truth to your heart the whole time. Let me just say these two things. Firstly, he says our singing is very interestingly addressing one another in psalm, hymns and spiritual songs. Do you notice that? Mm-hmm. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart. And this is super important for us as a church. Because singing worship to Jesus is not just about you. And there is this growing culture, and I can say this because I'm like in a weird twilight zone of am I young, am I old, I don't really know anymore, like in between. So I'm going to speak to a younger generation. There is this growing culture of individualism that says really I'm just going to do what I feel like doing. And if I don't feel like it's in my heart, I don't really want to do it. Because that feels like it's the authentic thing to do. I don't feel like worshipping today. I don't like this song. I don't feel like, I'm not really into it. I feel a bit self-conscious. Therefore, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to sing something. I don't want to do something that I don't really feel in my heart. Therefore, I'm not going to do it. That is not authenticity. That's just yucky selfishness, honestly. 
you are not here just for yourself. This is the order of how things go. Our worship is number one for God. It's to glorify him, it's to magnify his worth. It's so that when people walk into this room, people realise this God is worthy to be praised. I might not know him, but why, why are they so passionate about him? If everyone's sitting there like, oh, I don't really feel like it today. How is anyone going to know that this God is worthy to be praised and is the all-consuming being? They won't know. When they walk into a room where people have sat, hands in pockets, like, oh, I don't really like this song. Uh, I'm not really sure. I don't really feel like it. I'm tired. I'm going to sit today. Like, how is anyone going to know that this is the Lord of your life that you are actually giving everything for? They will never know. Firstly, it's for God. Secondly, it's for the person next to you. Thirdly, it's for you. Secondly, it's for the person next to you. Therefore, who cares whether you feel it or not? You are speaking truth into the person next to you. Mm -hmm. It honestly doesn't matter whether you feel it or not. You are here to serve one another. We are speaking to one another, addressing one another. I was here last week and I was worshipping and out of the corner of my eye, I caught Caleb, who had his hands up like this, who's quite an enthusiastic fellow anyway, <laughs> worshipping Jesus. And honestly, what it did in my heart, I was like, yes, I want to worship Jesus. When I hear someone singing out truth about Jesus, it stirs my soul to give him everything. Does it not? Mm. That's why we gather together to encourage one another's heart. So how stupid would it be for us all to gather together, get on trains, arrive here and say, I'm not, not really that bothered today. That's the very reason you've come to encourage and speak That's truth right. into one another's hearts. Oh, yeah. And you need to know this. Like, I know there can be a self-conscious thing about singing. Like if I, I am probably, if we're going to do a poll, the worst singer in this church, okay? Amen. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Out. <laughs> Someone did actually describe my singing. He, he said, I thought there was a bison dying in the corner of the room. <laughs> Literally described my singing like that. Someone was so kind or hurtful to me. At the end of a meeting, he said, would you mind if I gave you a singing lesson? I was like, I, I feel so confused. Am I encouraged? Am I really hurt? I don't know. I, I am not a good singer. But if you stand near me, I am going to sing loud. It's just like a pastoral warning if you want to sit next to me. Because I know part of my role is to glorify God and to speak truth into your hearts. That's why I want to lift up my voice. I want to lift up praise to Jesus, truth about him, because I know this truth is going to help you. And you need to be conscious of the same with your neighbours. And then lastly, you can think about yourself. Okay? That's the order of Trinity Church London, in case you're interested. <laughs> Worship is for God, and then for your neighbour, and then for yourself. And then, secondly, I'm going to be kinder with this one. Our singing is to contain psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So it's a real good place to sing, literally, just the psalms. Sometimes to put melody to the psalms that are in the book. And then secondly, to sing hymns. You need to know this, Trinity Church London, we're going to sing hymns. The thing I love about Darren is he, he loves hymns, the truth, because in a hymn you get told the story of God. And when, I don't know about you, if you notice this, when we sing a hymn, things could be going well in worship, and you sing an old hymn, and can it be, or a new one in Christ alone, or whatever it might be, and suddenly something breaks in the atmosphere, because yeah. suddenly the magnificence of Christ is set before us in all of his splendour, and all that he's done, and suddenly the atmosphere just breaks open again, and you realise, oh my goodness, he is wonderful. Hymns, and then there's spiritual songs. 
which really, as far as I can tell, is kind of anything in between. <laughs> New songs, contemporary songs, and songs that you haven't even planned. And let me encourage this, if you do have the gift of a voice, which is not me, like, I will probably empty a church if I sing from a microphone. The front, but some of you do, on a Healy, has a, you have a, a gift with your voice. Esther has a, you have a gift with your voice. Others of you do, you have a gift with your voice. There is a place to lead us out in yeah. song in a way that we have not planned for. So I want to encourage you and invite you, and I know the worship leaders will do this as well, that we will make space. If you feel there's a song on your heart that you want to sing over us, this is a safe place to do that. We need to be encouraged in our hearts. Singing. So we're going to be a singing church, amen? Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Secondly, we're going to be a thankful church because this is the second thing. He says, verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I haven't really got very much to be thankful about. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Oh, no, you don't understand. My week's been really difficult and a few things have gone wrong. And that, that, no, 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 no. Stop, 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 stop. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you are reminded of your eternal reality, yeah. which will make this week feel like a molecule that you can't even even it's even fading from your distance right now and you've forgotten about it because you have seen that you are walking into an internal inheritance of glorious riches that the father of creation looks on you and smiles that jesus has you every step of the way he is the shepherd of your soul right. that there is nothing that you have done wrong this week that will ever be counted against you you will never get bored of that fact when you are filled with the holy spirit <clears throat> what do you have to give thanks for everything right now yeah you know someone who's filled with the holy spirit because they're always giving thanks yeah. they're just thankful their first response that they come out of anything is just this kind of bubbling thankfulness that they're alive that they have health, they have what they've got, they have salvation, they have forgiveness, they have an inheritance. And you can meet people who walk through the most horrendous of experiences and yet still in the middle of those experiences, give thanks. And they're just thankful people. Where do you get this like bright joy from? Because they're thankful. They've realized God has given me everything. It's a story of Richard Wormbrand, who was a, a Eastern European who was uh, um, persecuted, for his faith and this is just as one moment he talks about being in a prison cell star literally starved famished wasting away in communism in communist jail and he tells of this exuberant joy and thankfulness that led him to dancing by himself in the middle of solitary confinement not knowing whether he would live or not because of the joy and the <laughs> thankfulness of the holy spirit how outrageous is that Oh, my boss has been mean to me this week. I haven't got it. No, you've got the Holy Spirit. Right. Amen. Yeah. One of the in Romans in Romans one, we have this devastating critique of a culture that tries to do life without God, and it, it, it is devastating. And it's this, this cascade of this deconstruction of a society. This whole chapter. And at the very start, the very thing that tips the society over the edge into this utter decline is, is this, it's ingratitude. 
says, For although they knew God, they did not honour him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Think, that's the, that's the first thing. Not like murder or anger or rape or something horrific. You just didn't give thanks to God. But yeah, that, that was the first step of walking away from God. Because it's the first moment you try and do life without him and you think that all of this is self-generated. And all of this was given by God. It's what Christianity is about. It's about thankfulness. So it's a good test of your heart. Just simply how thankful do you feel about your life right now? Some people, you know, they've always got the latest, the latest gripe. Have you ever met those people? They're not super fun to hang around with. Like, how are you doing? And you're like, okay, it's coming again. And this whole wave of like, oh, it's really... And some people, you like, it's this bubbling like, life's really good. And you look at their life like, look behind the shelf, like, your life's terrible. No, 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 it's really good. My sins are being forgiven and I'm walking into eternal glory and there's inheritance for me and I'm going to live with God forever and everything's going to be okay. It's just around the corner. I know it feels like a long time now, but everything is good because I'm with Jesus. Amen. Some people live like that and that is the mark of a Holy Spirit-filled church. And the third thing is this, submission to one another. This is not often talked about in charismatic spirit-filled churches, mm. but this is a key mark of what it is to walk filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So how do you know you're filled with the Holy Spirit? You have this happy willingness to submit to others around you. It's interesting. The next few weeks basically are going to be unpacking of this because grammatically this sentence basically runs into teaching about marriage, husbands and wives, teaching about parenting and teaching about working with your colleagues and your boss. All of these things are where your spirit filledness gets worked out in submission to one another. In our culture today, submission is seen as a basically a weak thing. If you're someone who likes to submit to other people, it's basically like you're not a very strong personality, you're a bit of a pushover, people can walk over you. It's not seen as a positive thing, it's seen in, in a negative light. But in the scriptures, it is a godly attribute. What submission is this? It is taking your strength, your resources, your abilities, your gifts, your talents, your, your experiences, everything that you have within your ability, and you do two things with it. Firstly, you are willing to lay it at the feet of others for their good. So I'm going to submit this before you so that you can be helped. My money, my time, my experiences, my service, my experience, my wisdom, whatever it might be. I want to submit this to you to help you. And it is secondly, a willingness to receive input from someone else around you and to learn from them. I'm willing to submit to your experience and your knowledge and your gifts and your resources and receive them for my good as well. And when a community does that, mutual submission to one another, it is a beautiful thing to behold and actually makes the whole community strong. Amen. So you need to know this from Trinity Church London. We are not like one grand pyramid scheme with a Pope at the top. Like we, we don't operate like this. Some businesses do, and some have to. The army operates like that and I guess it has to. It's a different thing. We are the church. So I lead Trinity Church London. That does not mean that I'm the one who gives all the operational details out. It would be a disaster, to be honest. <laughs> I submit to those around me in the gifts and experiences and wisdom and talent and resources around me. So I willingly, as the leader of the church, submit to Mike, for example. Say Mike has pastoral experience, he has church experience, he has prophetic insight that I want to 
submit to. And I want to receive and benefit from. And Mike says, yeah, and I want to submit to AJ and all of his experience and his passion, his zeal, his understanding of how to operate on mission fields. I want to learn from this. And AJ says, yeah, and I'd like to learn from Richard and Richard from Rachel and Rachel from Esther. And if we all come with this approach, that actually you've got something I can learn from and I can benefit. And if we all come with this approach, suddenly the whole community grows in strength to become a mighty force in the city of London. Amen. This is what we are going to be about, that we all come ready to submit. To, wow, you've got something there. Can you, teach, can you learn me? I'm going to listen because I think we're going to be strong if I can listen to that piece of insight. And suddenly this matrix goes strong, this community, this forceful community. And it's God. It's all that God is when he fills us. So the marks of being filled with the Spirit is that we are a singing church. We're a thankful church and that we submit to one another. Can I invite the band back up? Because I, I really want us to respond. And I want to ask this question again. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for God? Yeah, it's really hot in here, isn't it? Like, I'm, I'm fading away as well. Like literally, okay, everyone is thirsty. <laughs> Spiritually as well. Um, how do we actually get filled with the Spirit? It's a communal thing. It's a command actually to us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So um, it's good to pray for people individually. That's not how I want us really to respond today. I want us to respond communally because the command is a communal thing. It says you, the church, it says you be filled with the Holy Spirit. A lot of these marks are communal things. They're relational things. It means one, turning away from drinking from sources of life that are not actually filling your soul. It's turning from those things and turning to Jesus who has the source of eternal living water. And this is what I, I, I'm going to suggest we do as a response. It's actually turning these things on their heads. How do we get filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, we come to Jesus and worship him through song. Because as we do that, we remind ourselves of truth and who he is. Suddenly we remind oh my, yes, I do believe in you, Jesus. I'm thirsty for you again. Worship is like a moment of just turning back to Jesus again, saying, yes, I believe and I trust and I want you. That's what we do in our singing. And we're going to give thanks to Jesus. We read earlier, Psalm 100 says, enter his presence with thanksgiving. Actually, this is the mark of coming into his presence. So we just give thanks again. We just stop and say, thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for me. We're going to break bread together as we worship. And as we do this, it's a moment for us to stop and give thanks. And remember, you have done something for me. I am a recipient of your grace. And as we come and do this, we thank him for it. And thirdly, we submit to one another. It's a relational thing. Jesus speaks and says, when you come to worship, make sure that you're right with your brother or your sister. So if you know, there's just something, you just want to have a conversation. You might need to apologize. You might need to make something right. You know, there's something in your heart. There's a conversation that hasn't been resolved. Before you do anything, just if you can in this room, just come and say, can we just get this out of the way? I just want to say something. I want to apologize. I want to, and submit to one another and come together again.